Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Once a person is converted, they're not necessarily a disciple. A disciple is something that occurs through the maturing process. So the mission is not to just go preach the message of salvation. That's where it starts. But it has to be followed up with teaching the new believers and establishing them in the faith. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 14, verses 23 through 28, in a message titled, There and Back Again. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Barnabas brought him along as his nephew, like, hey, come on and help us. You'll be a real asset to us. So Barnabas is no doubt disappointed. Paul is downright upset because later, when they're about to go on their second journey, and Barnabas says, hey, let's bring Mark. Paul says, no, no way. We're not bringing him. He left. He didn't follow through. So there was that disappointment. And, you know, this happens again. You, you, know, you uh, sometimes, you know, you have a vision, you're going to do this and you've got people around you and yeah, we're going to do this. And, and then as you move toward it, all of a sudden people just start dropping off. Like, wait, I thought we were going to do this together. Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't really feel a peace about it or no, I don't want to do that. And, and then suddenly you find that the great vision for the mission, you're the only one left with it. And you know, you're kind of disappointed and you're probably wondering like, how do I even go forward without the help? This happens. Anybody who's been on the mission field knows that this is exactly what happens. You get somebody and you think, man, this person's going to be perfect. They're going to be such a help. They're going to be such a blessing. And they come and it's not that. And then before they can even get settled, they just decide, you know, I'm out of here. So there's that satanic opposition. There's the disappointment. But here's other marks. They're preaching the word. We see that all through each one of these places. This is what they did. They went into these cities and they preached the gospel. Because, you know, God has people in every place. And you know what they're waiting for? They don't even know they're waiting for it, but they are actually waiting for someone to come with the gospel. It's like when Paul said to, or when Jesus said to Paul, when he was in the city of Corinth and he was fearful because up until that point, he had been persecuted and driven out of Thessalonica and beaten in Philippi and all that. So he comes to Corinth and he's fearful. He thinks, you know, this, I'm, I'm going to be beaten again, or I'm going to be arrested or, or something like that. And, but it says that Jesus appeared to him and said, Paul, don't be afraid. Don't keep silent, but speak for I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. And you see, God has many people in cities that haven't yet come to faith in Jesus. They need to hear the message. 
they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the story. And so that's what a mission is about. A mission is about preaching the word of God, bringing God's word. As we've already seen, they started in the synagogue. It was a natural opportunity. It was an open door for them. But after a season, they would get rejected in the synagogues. And then they would just go to where the Gentiles congregated, wherever it was. I think of Paul in uh, the city of Ephesus, where he ended up in, in the school of Tyrannus. Tyrannus, who was he? He was probably some philosopher. But he had a school, and Paul was able to rent his facility, apparently. And it was from there that he shared the gospel. And it says, and that through that ministry, all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. But that's what they were doing. They were sharing the gospel. They were preaching the gospel. They were proclaiming the name of Jesus. And conversions were taking place. So here's the encouraging part. You got satanic opposition, you got disappointment, but as you preach the word, guess what? People come to faith. People come to know the Lord. And that's what happened. There were those who resisted, there were those who were disinterested, but as we read through the stories here, we find that there were many who believed. There were many who came to put their faith and their trust in Christ. And when we are on a spirit-led mission, there are going to be converts. There are going to be people that meet the Lord, that come to know him. I, I can think in my own mind of people that on various mission endeavors, we had the opportunity of leading them to Jesus. And to look now, you know, 30 years later, uh, 20 years later, and to see that they're still walking with the Lord. That's the thing that always just absolutely amazes me. It's so wonderful to see that, uh, a changed life. And they're still following along with the Lord. That's what God does. He saves people, converts, multitudes, it said in the text here, both of Jews and Greeks believed and what we also see as we look at these different endeavors in these different towns, we see that God's presence and power was with them. Now, this is the thing. There's the opposition. In, in their case, there was the um, persecution that actually arose, the extreme case of Paul being stoned. But at the same time, there was God's presence and power with them. I mean, after all, remember, Paul said to Elamus the sorcerer, he said, you son of the devil, you're going to be struck with blindness. And he was blind for a season. And we also see that the man, the lame man was healed. As, as Paul saw this man that had never walked, he was healed. So, you know, there's, there's these two things happening simultaneously. There's the, the enemy opposing, but there's God at work. And listen, we need to also understand that today, those same kinds of things still happen. God still does wonders. He still does signs. He still does supernatural things. As, as people go out in faith and trust him, this is my point. You can expect that God goes with you. And he will do things that you couldn't do. And he will make things happen that otherwise couldn't happen. And there will be supernatural things that occur. Now, they might not be 
healings like we're looking at here, but they might be. And even if they're not that, there's always, there's always these things that you can look at and you see, wow, you know, that was the Lord. Only the Lord could do that. There isn't any rhyme or reason for this from the human standpoint. You recognize, man, this is the hand of the Lord on this. Another mark of the mission is discipleship. You see, they, they made disciples, and that's really what, that's what the whole mission is really all about. Because remember, Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all the nations. Now, you have to have people converted before they can become disciples. But once a person is converted, they're not necessarily a disciple. A disciple is something that is, occurs through the maturing process. So the mission is not to just go preach the message of salvation. That's where it starts. But it has to be followed up with teaching the new believers and establishing them in the faith. As I said in the beginning, that's what the mission is about. It's leading people to Christ and then giving them the instruction that they need to grow in maturity in their faith so they can become strong. And we read there at the um, end of chapter 14, it says that, verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. See, that's what it is. It's teaching them, helping them to grow. Now, listen, you don't have to go on a international mission to do that. There are people all around us that we can have a part of bringing them to maturity in the faith. If you're an older Christian, if you've been a Christian for a while, if you've got a pretty solid walk with the Lord and you're, you're pretty grounded yourself, you know, God wants you to take that and he wants you to use it with somebody else. He wants you to help others come along. But this is, this is part of it. The discipleship is the, this is where the labor comes in. This is where the hard work comes in. You know, sometimes the, the easy part, easy is relative here. The easy part sometimes is, is, you know, preaching the gospel, getting people to receive Christ. The hard part is to see them grow in the faith. That's where it takes the perseverance, takes the patience, takes the endurance. Because if we just lead people to Jesus, but never see them go on to maturity, they will just struggle the rest of their lives. We need good, strong, solid churches wherever we can see them. So they made many disciples and they strengthened them. And all of this, and this is my final point, my seventh point here, all of this, as it says in verse 52 of chapter 13, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know, all of this produces a great joy in our hearts. There's nothing like serving Jesus and seeing God work through your life and seeing God work in the lives of other people. You know, it just produces a joy. And, and there's, there's nothing like it that I know of in all the world to produce 
this kind of joy as to just, you know, it's, it's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy that he gives us. Of course, we have it just because we're the children of God as we think about our relationship with God and all that. But, but there's something special, you know, when you see God use you, when you see the, the work happening and you see people's lives being changed, there, there's just something that it just fills your heart with joy. So last Sunday, I, I preached at two churches, but they're in the same location, just different times. Uh, I preached at Narrowena Baptist Church, which is on the northern beaches of Sydney, Australia. And that was the first service. And then the second service is One Love Fellowship that is a different congregation, but meets at the same church. And the, the pastor of both of those churches is a friend of mine named Brad Hall. And so, you know, Brad was introducing me to the congregation that morning and, and he got up and he was kind of rehearsing the story of how he got into the ministry. And, you know, I, I completely forgot about certain things. And as Brad was up there talking and telling the story, my, my point is, just to hear what God had done in his life and see what God had done in his life, I, I just sat there so f- filled with joy. I was leaving Calvary Chapel Vista to move to London. And before I left, I felt a strong sense that I needed to take, there were about 40 men in the church, I needed to take these guys and take them through, I think it was like a 14-week preparation for ministry. And, and I just you know, sort of handpicked uh, this group of guys. And I sent letters of invitation out to these guys. And um, Brad's telling this story. He said, he said, I got a letter in the mail. He said, I never imagined that I would be one of these, you know, people that was selected to do this. And, And he said this, he said, obviously, Pastor Brian saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. So you tell the story about how you know, he was invited to that and he went through that season and then that led him into an opportunity for ministry. Eventually he, he left California. He went and he pastored in Hawaii for several years, 12 years in Maui. And at the end of those 12 years, about eight years ago, Brad called me and he said he was thinking about coming back to California. He's from Huntington Beach and had lived down in uh, North San Diego County for years. So he said, he's thinking about coming back. What do I think? I said, well, Brad, you know, of course, you could come back to California. Sure, it's fine. But, you know, there's such a huge world out there. There's such a great need out there. Uh, I said, what, rather than come back to California, why don't you go to Sydney, Australia? Now, I, for the life of me, can't remember why I even said that to him. It must have been that Australia was on my mind at the time for some reason. But I said that to him and he said, he said, I would love to go to Australia. Now, I think it, him and I have a mutual friend who was a former pro surfer. I think that was the connection. We were talking about having a church that would be a blessing to them. But, but anyway, so, you know, we, we prayed about that, took the step, moved from Maui to Australia. So over these years, there have been like four or five times where Brad has called me and said, we can't stay here. I think we're out. My visa's running out. The government's not going to renew it. I can't, you know, get this, that. And boy, I'll tell you, every time it's just like, well, Brad, it's just hard. I would say to him, Brad, it's hard for me to believe that God sent you there just to, you know, have you do what you've done so far and then leave in discouragement. Let's just pray and trust the Lord that he's going to somehow 
breakthrough. And he's always broken through. Well, to make a long story short, Brad and Christy, their kids, they all have Australian citizenship now. He's pastoring these couple of churches. God's doing really great stuff with them. And just to, to be there and to see that is so much joy to see the Lord working in and through the lives of people that God has used you to touch or influence. And so what I'm saying to all of us is that there is much joy. Despite the opposition, despite the disappointments, despite the labor, the hard work, and all of those things that go into it, there's, there's joy that just kind of overrules all of it. When you, when you look at everything, you just think, well, Lord, you know, it was all worth it in the end to just know that you have touched these lives. And undoubtedly for Paul and for Barnabas, when they came back to Antioch, they came back with that report. I mean, you can be absolutely sure that the uh, 1,200 miles and the two years and the persecution and even the stoning and all of that stuff, it was like, you know what, who cares? Because man, look what God did. And that's what I want us to grab hold of today. Man, the excitement, the joy of serving the Lord. Now, I want to close with two things. In the course of these chapters, like I said, uh, on the one hand, Paul is preaching. We start off, he's preaching in uh, Antioch, and he gives this tremendous message. He says something in this message that, that I want to, to share. Uh, but also, they share with the, um, the believers an important word as well. So two words. First of all, to the believers, to those who have trusted in Christ. Chapter 14 Look at what it says, verse 22. It says, so they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, listen, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So I, I want to say this today to you as a, a believer in Jesus. This is the reality. The Christian life is a battle. It's a struggle. There's opposition. There's disappointment. And not only when you go on a mission, it's just as you, as you live for the Lord. These are the realities that we face because it is through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God. And I say that because we often get the wrong idea. And the wrong idea is that, well, if I'm really following Jesus, if I'm really serving Jesus, everything's going to be easy everything's going to be smooth. There's not going to be any difficulty. There isn't going to be any challenges. Get that out of your head because it just is not true. Now, there might be some preachers that will tell you that, but they're wrong. And they're not being honest with the scripture. It's through many tribulations that we will enter the kingdom. But that's why we encourage one another. That's why we strengthen one another. That's why we build one another up because we will go through those challenging things, but that's just the way it is. And, and yet the Lord is with us. This is just part of it. And let's not forget this. And Paul said it to the Corinthians. Yes, there are many tribulations, 
through which we must enter the kingdom. But let's not forget that the suffering of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. You see, when you, when you weigh the two things, yeah, you're, you know, you're going you're gonna to have trouble in life, period. Just, you're just going to have trouble in life because that's what life is filled with. It's filled with trouble. You can't escape it. But in Christ, there's a purpose behind it, which is not true if you're not in Christ. And there's a reward in the end. The sufferings won't compare with the glory that is to come. So if you're going through some tribulation today, be encouraged. Know that this is just part of the Christian life. Be encouraged. Know that it's a season. Know that it will pass. Know that God is with you and know that in the end, there's a great reward. But I want to also take one minute and talk to those of you today that maybe you're here and you're not really sure about your relationship with Christ. And maybe you are sure that you don't really have one. And you recognize that you're a sinner. If you recognize you're a sinner today, you're light years ahead of a lot of people because a lot of people don't even recognize that. They refuse to believe it. But of course, you can't be saved unless you're a sinner. Now, everybody is a sinner, but not everybody wants to acknowledge it. But here's the good news. Paul, when he's preaching in Antioch, he says this to them, chapter 13, verse 38. He says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, speaking of Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. See, here's the good news. The good news is that even though we're sinners, through this man, Jesus Christ, has preached to us the forgiveness of sins. Sin is our biggest problem because sin, first of all, separates us from God. That's our, our problems are all rooted in the fact that we're created by God for God, but we're separated from him because of sin. But through this man, Jesus has preached to you the forgiveness of sins. So my sins can be forgiven. They're removed and the barrier is taken away, and then I'm reconciled to God. I'm brought into a relationship with God. And Paul says that through Jesus is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And he says, and by him, everyone who believes is justified from all the things which you could not be justified from uh, under the law of Moses. In other words, what Paul is saying is, you know, under the law of Moses, there were certain sins that you couldn't, I mean, if you committed these sins, you were taken and you were put to death. That was, the, that was the consequence. But Paul says that under Jesus, it's a different thing. In other words, what he's saying is there's not any sin that Jesus is not able to forgive. There are certain sins under the law of Moses. You could not, you could not really, you know, you'd have to suffer the ultimate consequence. But not so with Jesus. There's no sin, whatever it might be. Nothing that you have done, no matter how wicked, how horrible, how deplorable it might have been. There's nothing that he is not able to forgive us from if we sincerely come to him and ask him for that forgiveness. And if you do that, he will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will come into your life. He will renew you. He'll give you a new life, just like he did to these people that we're reading about here, these Gentiles that 
were so empty and lost and void of meaning and purpose and everything else because they were following after idols they couldn't save them or help them he'll do that for you today Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace Why God is More Than You Expected and Everything You Need by Cheryl Broderson The battle for grace is real The battle rages on for men and women alike And the stakes are high Spiritual well-being, mental health, physical health, emotional health, and social well-being Grace affects every area of your life In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares practical ways that men and women can draw on the available resources of God's grace. The book, A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.